Hey guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. So today is the first She Knows Arsenal post-match podcast for the 2021-2022 season. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Arsenal versus Brentford, where we lost to Brentford 2-0. And I have named this episode, We Got Beat by the Bees, because we did, we got our asses beat. Yeah, watching it the second time around, I didn't feel any differently. I didn't see anything that I didn't see the first time around. We were horrible. So... Yeah, it's it's one of those, right? I'm a lot more calm in terms of like feeling bad about the loss, but it's not like things have really cleared up since then. We still don't really know what's going on with a bombing in Lacazette. We, you know, aren't really feeling that much better, I think, about our transfer window, which I think some of us were probably hoping that we would kind of jump into gear after losing the first game of the season. And nothing is really concrete up into this this moment either. And there's just a real doom and gloom feeling around the the fan base. And when that kind of happens, you know, we tend to infight a lot more than we usually do. We're never really united as a as a fan base. We're always divided. But when things like this happen, especially when we, we felt this before, right, under Emery, where people really wanted the manager out. There are some people that wanted to kind of wait and see, you know, it's it's that thing again where it's feeling like we're gonna, it's going to be a rough rough season but for me i'm hoping that you know we can come out of that chelsea match maybe with um a little bit of pride that would be great hopefully the fans can get behind the team and realize that the 12th man is quite important now that we have home field advantage again a lot of the teams that played at home this past match week one and I think we're seeing that being at home is now an advantage that we need to be able to take it you know take advantage of and without the 12th man we won't be able to do so but I think there'll be a lot of focus on the Cronkies, Adu and Arteta as we're now starting to see you know posts go around Twitter about um, protests being organized by different content creators and fans um, from the Arsenal fan base so yeah we're in for a doozy But just to let you guys know, tomorrow we have our very first membership stream where we're going to be doing a tactical, it's going to be Tactical Tuesday, where we'll be going into detail about our lack of chances and goals and pretty much just trying to answer the question, is it Arteta's system or the players? Following the Brentford game, there were a lot of questions about just what is our style of play? Why does it seem like we can't create clear-cut chances? Why does it feel like our buildup is so slow? And is that just, you know, Arteta's system or does he not have the right players? And then it'll probably kind of go into a conversation of how do we get the most out of the players that we have and implement the system. But ultimately, we'll be breaking it down. And again, that's going to be a stream just for members. And you can become a member today. Um, The link, I will post it in the chat. But you can also just go to the dashboard for the She Knows Arsenal YouTube channel. And right next to subscribe, there's a button that says join. You'll see all the different tiers and you can make a decision about which membership is best for you. And the best part about it is all of the membership, monthly memberships are less than $5 or five pounds per per month, which is 
pretty affordable. So, and also if you're listening on audio, make sure to leave us a review. It really helps us get discovered and um, it just really helps the, the, the podcast and um, lets us know what you guys really think. So without further ado, I will be introducing my panel for today. Well, is it really a panel or is it just like people that I always talk to? I have Harry here and Souls. I'll start with you, Harry, um, because you weren't here the other day. <laughs> How are you feeling? <laughs> How are you feeling today? Yeah, not bad. Loaded like I question, just said, huh? Yeah, like I just said off camera, it feels like we are halfway through a season already with the emotion and disappointment. So, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. You want to get excited for the first game of the season and it's a letdown. And then after the defeat comes all of the, the drama and the noise. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a depressing few days, to be honest. But but we go again. We go again. Some nice, easy fixtures coming up next. So it's all good. You predicted this as well. Like uh, several times when we spoke, you were like, we're definitely going to lose to Brentford. You know, maybe you could kind of feel that maybe we weren't ready for the season and we'll definitely have some more we'll have a longer conversation about our unpreparedness, which I feel like at this point, it's pretty obvious. We weren't, we weren't ready to go. Right. But, um, souls, how are you feeling? Disappointed because you know what? Like a lot of, we, we've taken a lot of stick for, I guess, sitting on the fence, not really being Arteta out the way a lot of people are. And I guess to a level, we do defend him a little bit. Well, Maybe a lot or, you know, depending on who you ask. But I just feel like this was the time where he could have been at least ballsy with it and, you know, died by his sword. And, and I think I still stand by it. You know, I know George and I, well, all of us have had arguments with George because he, he believes otherwise. But um, it, this, was, this was his prime moment to just be like, you know what, let's play our game. If we lose, we lose. And, you know, die by my sword, and you didn't. And I just think it's disappointment. Yeah, and I kind of agree with that. It's you kind of want the manager to. For me, I just want to see Arteta whatever he wants to do. Don't try to like save yourself. Obviously, try to win the game. But if this is the way that you believe that you want to play, just die by that. And then if it doesn't work, you go. It felt a little bit like he. Mm kind of backed away from what he wanted to do. But then after the game and some of his press conferences, if you read between the lines, it felt like he almost was like they weren't following the directions. And a lot of that started with Bern Leno, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but there's about 88 of you guys watching on all platforms right now. Make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. And we have a new member, DC, wait, DJ, wait, DJC Drums is a member of the channel now. Thank you so much for joining. Remember, members get priority in comments, priorities on phone-in shows, live streams only for members, all this great stuff. So thank you so much for joining. And yeah, so let's go ahead and just get started. But what I want to start off with is, is pretty much being unprepared for the season to start. I mean, I just feel like I knew we weren't ready, but the levels of unready were, I mean, as high as they pretty much could be and I watched every single game this patch past match week and no other team looked as unprepared as we did like they may have had not like you know disappointing results but nobody looked like they you could tell that there was a game plan there the the players were trying to implement it or play that way but like they knew what they were 
supposed to be doing. They had the energy and the intensity required to play in the Premier League. And one of my biggest you know, complaints about this team under Arteta is our lack of intensity and energy. And I think this is the lowest level of energy that I've seen, even more than when we were in that bad period last season between November and December. I could not believe what I was seeing. And then the second time I watched it, it was even worse. And then you weren't even just seeing it from like the more senior players, you were seeing it from the kids too. So I'm not sure really what was going on, but Souls, I'll start with you. Do you think it was just the occasion, not having key players, the system? What do you think was kind of like the cause of us being so unprepared to start the season? I think I think there's a combination of a lot of things that happened in this game. Obviously, the conspiracy theories behind Aubameyang and Lacazette being missing, you know, it, it was wild. And look, you know, I, I've tried to stick by, you know, I've said, like, look, I do believe that it was a medical reason, but I don't blame the fans for feeling otherwise um, because the, the club haven't been the most trustful. They haven't been the most truthful to the fans. And I could understand that crowd not really wanting to believe what they have to say. Um, of course, you know, look, as bad as Aubameyang and as good as Lacazette fits the system, they're a big miss. You know, they are going to always, the senior players, and I think that that's always going to be a miss. But, when I look at that team, I think there was enough there to beat at least Brentford. Well, not the thing is, we had enough there to not retreat. That's my problem. I felt like after about five, maybe ten minutes, we started going into our shell, and we start. I think we started like it's an element of fear, which is what I kind of seen. And I, I, I might be, I might be wrong. Maybe I have looked at it differently, but it felt like we started to retreat, and that for me is just not a good sign just because they're pressing us that just shows like we haven't looked at our squad and, and seen these deficiencies or maybe we've just overlooked them and we've we've decided not to look at them or is it the fact that Arteta's losing the dressing room like there's so many questions and I don't and I think it's I think it's one of those games where it's so hard to say because this is the first time I've seen it this bad and you know, you know, we've we've had these discussions where there are non-negotiables, and he was also asked, you know, post like after the game where Leno was going far, and you've criticised teams that kick long. Um, what was that? Was that tactical? And it's the way he dodged the answer. It's very political, and and it makes me feel like I don't think he listened. I don't think Leno was listening to what Arteta had to say. But then, then I have another question. It's like. Well, Chambers did it, Marie did it, Ben White started doing it, Lukonga started doing it. And I, I was like, is it an element of we're just not mentally there, we're not mentally ready to take these challenges on? The, I, I feel like we've got this City effect where a team that goes for Man City will tend to win. But because City strike fear into you, you, you find it harder to do that. Whereas with Arsenal, we don't strike fear. That's the that's, that's the element we're missing right now is is that striking fear into the opposition. So they'll come on to us. And then as soon as that happens, we're the ones to retreat. And you'll see it. It happens to Pep Guardiola's sides as well. But the only thing that goes for Pep is your chances are teams are not going to come for you. And they're going to be the ones to retreat because it's Man City, because it's Bayern Munich, because it's Barcelona. Whereas with Arsenal of recent... They don't do that. And I think I feel like that's where the issue is. I think Arteta's stuck in his days where 
and I'm starting to see that and I'm starting to agree with that point of view where I do feel like he's stuck in this City mindset where he feels like he's got Man City or he can make them into Man City in the short time that he's had. And that's not enough. The way you do that, you do what you need to do to start winning games. And whether that's with your plan A or plan B, you do it. But the, the fact of the matter is, those players on the pitch just didn't look like they wanted to play for him. But obviously, we'll see against that answer. That that question can only be answered against Chelsea, Man City and Norwich because you can't put that to one game. And I, and I feel unfair doing that. So, um, it is. And, and, and the thing is, look, all right, yes, Aubameyang, Lacazette, okay, you can't, two key players, fine. You know, you can't really prepare for that. There's no way you can do that. But the fact that we had Martinelli there, who just come back from the Olympics, didn't have a you know, pre-season and we've got a player who's that was his first game back. Uh, we had Lakonga, who, look, I know that's what he's there for if Partey gets injured, but I'm sorry, but we needed someone a bit more established. Um, again, it was like a very, very young bench. Like, look at what was coming off the bench, Reese Nelson. You know, it was, it's not, it's not like, oh my God, yes, we've got a few players here, or even players that, you know, we, we, but that we could have bought in, they weren't ready to start. But we could have at least bought in. But I just think there's a lot that Arsenal need to do, and and so far the reaction seems to be for me unambitious. Yeah, it's it's a combination of things for me. But there's a lot of people in the comments that are saying that they feel like he may have lost the dressing room, and I kind of agree with Souls that we won't really know unless we see a pattern of behavior in the next couple of games. But is it unfathomable at this point that he may have lost the dressing room? I think he's. This is, I know this is all going into speculation, but I don't feel like he has as much buy in from the senior players as he does with the kids. I think the kids are bought in, but something just doesn't feel right because every couple of months there's something going on with the senior players. And, you know, Lone Star Londoner is kind of wanting to push like the Lacazette and Obama and couldn't have been out because they're sick. But I don't really want to speculate too hard on that. We will talk a little bit more about it, but I don't want to say that I believe 100% that they're not sick. But what I will say is the senior players that were there didn't look like they were really following directions, which is scary. you know. But Harry, do you see an element of maybe there being, maybe Arteta is not getting through to the senior players? Do you feel like he could have lost the dressing room or do you think it's too early to say? I mean, sadly, it's a possibility with the senior players, but then you talk about the senior players who we may have lost. And if we're talking about Leno and Bamiyang and Lacazette, then I'd kind of say, well, if they don't believe in the manager, you know, that's fine. Let's go replace them. Uh, if Kieran Tini's on board, you know, I need that. I need Gabriel to be on board. I need Ben White to be on board. I need, you know, our younger players to be on board. So... I don't, I don't want to. I'm really fearful of going down this route of almost like entertaining the conversation that he's lost the dressing room because I think if we combine that with the fans who already want change, I think we go into Sunday uh, in a real bad place in terms of the atmosphere that we have. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's a strong possibility that he has lost the dressing room, but it depends why he's lost the dressing room. If he's lost the dressing room because, you know, he's demanding too much of our players and they're not happy, then I'd say, cool, good riddance to those players. If he's lost a dressing room because he's forcing tactics that aren't working, because he's asking him to do things that he can't do, then I'd encourage Mikel Arteta to change his tactics slightly to get the best out of his players. Because currently, 
it doesn't seem like we're going to have a plethora of options in over the next few weeks. So I think I think it depends on why he's lost the dressing room, and, and, you know, and then how seriously we can take those accusations. But either way, whichever way we look at it, uh, it doesn't feel like we're in a very good place. And after one defeat, that's really, really scary for me. You know, really, really scary. As someone who wants the team to do well, and who wants the manager to, to succeed, and wants the players to play well, it's really sad that first game of the season, we're not up for it. And I've got to say, I don't think we actually played that bad. I watched the game in full today, and I thought we were okay. I thought we moved the, moved the ball relatively well. But Brentford didn't have to do anything to score. It was just easy. And that's really worrying. It was literally play long, win the second ball, and they're in. You know, really poor defending from Ben White and Mari continuously. Really poor decision-making from Bernd Leno, which just almost either invited pressure or he just came straight back at us because essentially Balogun is playing his first ever game. So it's, it's really hard to, to kind of take a step back from the game because there's so much emotion in it. But if you do, I don't think we played that that poorly. I just simply think we weren't effective enough. And when you're not effective enough, the least you can show is a little bit more passion, aggression, bite. And I didn't see any of that. And for me, I know we speak about tactics a lot on this show and, and sometimes you can describe these as soft factors. But for me, they're not. It's fundamental. It's the first game of the season. You're playing in front of um, home fans. The very, for the very first time in Brentford, you're playing in a new stadium. They've been waiting to get into the Premier League forever. And they are going to be so on it. They're going to put in long throws. They're going to make late challenges. They're going to barge you when the ball goes out and throw it. And are your players strong enough to want it? Is the manager getting them geared up enough to want it? And I don't think, I don't think we did. I just don't feel like they had that passion for the first game. It reminded me of when we lost to West Ham at the Emirates. Maybe 2014 15. Uh, I think it was Czech's first game when we lost 2 0. And it was the same sort of thing. It's almost like, oh shit, the season started. No one told us. Oh, you know, just slow, slow. So, yeah, I don't know. Long answer to your question. Uh, maybe he has lost the dressing room. Either way, it's not good enough. Either way. It really isn't. Keenan says we played a young side with two key positions occupied by brand new signings. There are no leaders in the dressing room other than Tierney. <laughs> Got to give the squad seven to eight games to bet in before sacking Arteta. And I, I think he's going to get 10 games. You know, I think the Cronkies do not want to have to hire a new manager. They don't want to have to pay Arteta and then bring somebody else in because we know they're not about that life. They don't want to have to have turnover. That's why it takes them a long time to make decisions realistically, if you wanted to sack Arteta, the best time would have been over the summer because the best managers are available in the summer. Then you get the dregs in the middle of the, of the season. So I do think we're in for at least 10 games under Arteta and see where we are. But at the moment I can see the pressure is going to start to mount on Arteta. It's already high, but it can get higher. We saw what happened to, to Emery, but I thought Leno was, um, culpable for both <laughs> goals but because he doesn't in for the second goal in particular he he's not strong enough coming out like he's one of those that likes to stay on his line and, and leave it to the defenders and really if you're gonna have center backs that are not good in the air you need to have a strong in the air keeper somebody back there needs to be willing to take responsibility and we have a keeper that doesn't like to come out and we have Ben White who we know is not good aerially and Papa Marie who looks like Skodra Mustafi more and more every single time that he plays it's actually ridiculous but Harry you said you know during like early early window 
that goalkeeper starting goalkeeper was a key position for us to like upgrade on is what you saw against Brentford and like a good visual representation of why you feel like goalkeeper needs to be updated. Cause it's not just about the two goals. It's also about playing the ball out of the back, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I said this after the West Ham game last season, when we went three nil down and West Ham won a quick free kick. And rather than Leno instruct his players to stand on the ball, set up a wall, he turned around in dismay. And then by that time, by the time he turned around, the quick free kick's taken and they scored. And that's a sign for me of a timid goalkeeper, a goalkeeper who isn't only not good enough, but he doesn't have a powerful voice. He's not, he hasn't got any authority about him, any bite or aggression. And if someone is standing in front of me and I'm a goalkeeper, there is no way I'm letting them stand there. There's no way. I'm moving them to the side, I'm getting in front of him. Or I'm getting my centre-halves and getting in front of me to get him away. Because sometimes if the keeper pushes, they can deem it as a foul. If the centre-half gives a little nudge, you might be OK. But just to stand there, placid and timid, and let these guys... Launching a long throw, and let's not let's not pretend they've done it three times during that game earlier. So we can deal with it. We just chose to kind of accept all oh, the long throws coming, poor header from Mari, whoever it was, and, and Leno's stuck. And honestly, I said it in the summer, he's the first person I would replace because if you're trying to build from the back, your foundations are at the back, they're at the bottom. And he is the first person who gets the ball and plays out from the back and promotes nervousness amongst our side. And it's not that he can't only play out from the back. It's that apart from shot stopping, he's not good enough. I don't care about Martinez. We know why we sold Martinez to fund the party deal. That shows what a mess of we are anyway, that you have to sell a really good keeper to fund the deal. So let's forget about Martinez. It's not about Martinez. It's about Leno and he's not good enough. And if you're not good enough, you at least you need to be the other things. You need to be vocal. You need to be a leader. You need to show that you care. And he doesn't show me any of that. I can tolerate Rob Holding, who might not be good enough, because he does all of those things. I can tolerate Granite Jacker because he does all of those things. He's a voice. He's a communicator. He's respected by his teammates. But Leno is not a voice and he's not a communicator. And when you're playing goal, you have to be the most vocal person on the pitch. It's your job to communicate and talk. It's your job. And he's not good enough. We should have sold him in the summer and now we're going to be chasing for a second choice goalkeeper. And the same problems will continue if we don't play, if we continue to play from the back, unless Leno fixes up and the light bulb flicks in his head and goes, ah, maybe I need to communicate more. Maybe I need to be more aggressive because this is the Premier League and strikers have got no problem with standing on your toes, getting in your face to, to go one nil up to score a goal. So he has to fix it quickly. Yeah, I, I really do agree with that. I mean, Every time I watch Leno play, I just, I get, I have less and less confidence in him. Like, it's just, and I feel like there's an element of him being ready to go and the club wanting him to be gone, but he's stuck here, you know, so we kind of have to deal with it. But I wrote down kind of like in my notebook, like, well, actually first, let's, let's just read the super chat really quick. Michael Ramsey, thank you so much for your super chat. I really appreciate it. Michael says, as long as Americans own any clubs, they will always have problems because they don't believe in winning titles, only profit margins, period. Mm, I mean, I get where you're coming from. Like Americans and the Premier League have a really bad reputation because they're always seen as the cheaper ones. They just want to kind of rinse and repeat and they're not really concerned about winning titles. But what I would say is that I think that a lot of this is more about as long as the Cronkies own Arsenal, that will always be the issue. Liverpool are owned by American, you know, Americans and they won the title and they also won the Champions League. And what I've seen from Manchester United in this particular transfer window doesn't say profit margins. It says we're trying to win the title. 
you know, so I think it's more of a cronky thing than American thing, but I completely understand where you're coming from there. But yeah, I just, I wrote down in my notebook, like calamitous defending is in our DNA. Like this is something that we've seen not, it's not just with these defenders. It's almost like as soon as you walk into Arsenal, you become unable to make good decisions. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but like in like the first couple of minutes, Leno passed the ball to Marie and Marie had a hard time, like trying to figure out what to do. He turned around in a circle and kicked it out and then turned around and yelled at Leno. And I knew from that moment that we're not on the same page. We're not up to the press, you know, so we're going to start making mistakes. And I think Brentford could kind of tell, and then you could kind of see like last ditch defending. You saw some, you know, last ditch defending from Jacka, last last ditch defending from Lakanga. We always kind of looked like we were a little bit shaky in defense. And then lo and behold, we get done on a, on a long throw. Like there's nothing worse than that. Souls, what do you think about like the calamitous defending that we go through every single year, no matter what defender it is, whether it's somebody who, who used to be good, all of a sudden they become crap when they come to Arsenal. Is it just the expectations are not, are not there? Do we not have enough leaders? Is it Leno? What is it? Because it's not like we haven't seen this before, but it's different defenders every time. Yeah. It's, and, it, and it's different. It's weird, right? Because it's very similar, but sometimes it's very different mistakes as well. It's like we fix one, but then there's like another huge gaping error in our in our defense. And it comes down to we're not and I don't mean aggressive as in you know fouling you know players. I mean as in being proactive and wanting to win the ball. We just don't have enough defenders who want to do that. Um, you know, Gabriel does it, he gets called rash. You know, he but he wants that's the thing, he wants to win the ball, and that's why he for me he looks a lot better than a lot of players because he doesn't let a lot happen where you can say, Oh, it's a mistake. Whereas with with Pablo Marie, and maybe even you can put holding in that conversation, it's like they're not they're not aggressive enough, they're not really sort of proactive enough, and they allow things to happen that they shouldn't and 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 it's it's coming down to the bare fundamentals rather than sort of asking them to do more than they should or, or asking them to do what Van Dijk does for example and I think I don't know what it is it's stripping I think it's about stripping them back to their basics and just being like look you need to be winning your headers in the box you, you can't be letting Sterling you can't be letting Jota win headers over you and and I think even when you look at you know Brentford for example how, how like I'm sorry, like even if you don't play as a defender, you get taught never to let the ball bounce in your box. Even as as an attacker, you get taught that never let the ball bounce in your box. That's just a fundamental in football. It's not even a fundamental of defending, really. So I think it's just one of those where, and I the thing is, I've always said it. Like I don't think these players are intelligent enough, and the problem is football's moving into that realm where. As much as ability matters, you need to have a certain level of football, we'll call it footballing IQ. And I just don't think these guys have it. I think their positionings are well off. I don't think... the And, and, and the problem is, you know, when you look at all, not even great defences, but good defences, you'll have at least one person who is literally the communicator. They don't have to be captain. They don't have to be someone who's, you know, leading the team. But, they, but they're just a voice. Whether that's the goalkeeper, but it tends to be a goalkeeper or one of the centre-backs. Like when you look at Liverpool, for example, you've got Van Dijk, 
and even Allison does it to be fair, but then none of the others are really like that. They contribute like Robertson's like a Taney where yes, he's got the leadership, but he can't lead a defense. Then you look at United, they've got Maguire. Yes, they're a bit calamitous as well, but at least he knows how to demand his line. Then you go to City, obviously, losing company. Now they've replaced him with Diaz. And I do think he's made them a lot better structurally. And he's allowed them to kind of do what they need to do. You know, Spurs, look at Spurs, for example. Their defence is a shocker. Can you name me a leader in their defensive line? No. Look at our defence. Have we got a leader in our defensive line? Not really. But Chelsea, you know, you've got Rudiger. You've got... You know, even Zuma, to be fair, he's a vocal person. He does try and, you know, demand the line. So we don't have that. And that's the problem. We need to be fixing that area before we can look at all these technical abilities and, you know, playing out of the back. And, you know, because that, that can happen. That can all come together and we can find someone. And I think that's why they appointed Ben White, because apparently he does have a little bit of leadership with him. So I think... I think once we can get that commander where no one's going to say shit to that player, I think a lot of the errors that we've got can be fixed. But we do need a better keeper. Yeah, a lot of it, I feel, has to do with Leno. You know, and him he's just not... He doesn't have it, does he? He just doesn't have that presence back there. And you could tell that he's just... If you're Ben White and you have very little leadership experience, this is somebody that we're talking about who we feel like could potentially be a leader, right? Maybe not one at the moment, but could potentially be that. When, regardless, to if you're if you're trying to make things happen, if the person to the, your right and the person to your left and the person behind you are all just not up to the level, there's really nothing that Ben White can do. But I, I. I will be interested to see what the dynamic between him and, and Gabrielle is because, you know, Ben White was the the less leader of the back four or the center back pairings with him and Dunk. Dunk was clearly mm. the leader. I think he's the captain of that team, is he not? Um, Gabrielle played his best football with us, with Louise on the other side of him. He wasn't great with Rob. So one of them has to step up. You know, and even though I know Tierney is is a leader, he's also out injured quite a bit. So one of them is going to have to step up and I'm not quite sure who it's going to be. But it's just unfortunate that we can't kind of start to build that now because the longer that Gabrielle is out and the longer that Ben White has to play with Marie, I just don't see it being a good introduction and adaptation period for him. Keenan says when your center back pairing is out of sync, the whole defense begins to make bad decisions. Pablo Marie should be our fourth, fifth choice center back. Ben White is still leveling up and needs a Varane type next to him. And I hear that, Keenan. I think that that's a really good point. And Marie is just not up to scratch. You know, my agenda against him is becoming just pure, like, what is this? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, the more he plays, the more I'm like, this guy is unfit to be out there. And I know some will be, well, he's, he was okay last season but he's not okay this season. Like you kind of get what you pay for. Like he was quite cheap yeah. and you can I mean, kind of see think like he's, meant, he's not up to it. I think he's meant to be a squad player, right? So you, you want to see him, you know, five to 10 games a season. You don't necessarily want him starting the first Premier League game, especially next to a new defender, uh, an uncertain goalkeeper. It just promotes uncertainty. And not to go back to Leno, because I don't want to appear like I'm bashing him. 
when it comes to him playing out from the back, I don't even think he's that bad. I must be honest. I don't think his passing is terrible. I don't think his touch is terrible. I think he looks relatively comfortable on the ball. But it's only a risky pass when you're playing the ball to players who can't handle the ball. So when you play to Pablo Mari and he gets it and his first touch isn't crisp and it's a little bit awkward, you're just passing the blame. And the next pass is even harder to make. That's why they go long. If you're passing it to someone who's so comfortable in possession, i.e. John Stones, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Leno would be fine, but he's not. He's passing it to players who aren't particularly comfortable on the ball. Granite Jacket isn't comfortable with his back to play. So it just promotes nervousness and, and problems. So... My problem with Leno is more about his just attitude and his voice. I don't actually think he's that bad on the ball. I think the players that he are, he's passing to aren't also at the level, which then makes you wonder why the hell are we trying to play out from the back? But I agree on, on Mari as well. You know, it, it's, it's not... It's so tough, isn't it? Because we are... I mean, we are where we are because of our, because of our squad players. And if Mari is starting your first game of the season, it kind of shows you where you are. It kind of shows you where you are, unfortunately. We need to get Gabrielle back and get him back quick. We're always one injury away from back to the mediocrity. You know what I mean? I, I've noticed that around the pitch, it's especially in our midfield and our defense, one person gets injured and it's all thrown off. And yeah, Marie should barely touch the, he should be one of those players that you kind of almost forget is there. You know, how you have those squad players where you're like, oh yeah, he's still here. Like, El Nenny's the exact same way. We see way too much of these players. And I think that that just speaks to the lack of quality in this, in this team and our inability to get consistency day in and day out with the best players in our team. There's too, there's too few of them. And I even think about how like there, there was an opportunity. I think there's a missed opportunity here. Like even this is just kind of like a side note, but with Thomas party, as soon as he got injured, I think it would have been smart to bring in another midfielder. Because the way that we're operating, I just feel like it's almost like, well, it'll be fine. But majority of the time, we don't have our best players available. So if we're always just one injury away or one red card away from mediocrity, I think we need better players in the team. But, hey, it is what it is, you know. But there's about 160 of you guys watching right now on all platforms. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and consider becoming a member Tomorrow, again, we'll be doing our Tactical Tuesday, trying to figure out if it's Arteta and his tactics and his system, or is the players, and are they just crap, you know, or is it a combination of both? So I want to talk about somebody who did actually play well, and um, it's really just a shame because their performance kind of went unnoticed, and I think it was underappreciated because of how bad the rest of the team was, but Sambi was really good. He was really, really good in his debut, and I think he had seven zone 14, which is the it's the part of the field that you want to be in if you want to score goals. He had seven zone 14 entry passes, which means he was very progressive in his passing, even though we couldn't do anything with that. Um, Tierney was second, by the way. I think we did see that there was a report that came out or a statistic that came out that Tierney created the most chances out of everybody in week one of the Premier League. That just speaks to our inability to create and finish chances, but less we say about that, the better. But Sambi was very calm, composed on the ball. He was, I thought he was defensively, like he, he contributed defensively as well. And I think he was quite calm under the sporadic kind of uncomfortable, like way that we were playing. And um, I really liked his debut, you know, souls. What did you think about Sambi's performance? And um, yeah, what did you think about it? in general 
I was really impressed to be person like I think he was he was one of the players who I think can like kind of keep his head held high and really be sort of proud of himself. And I know he won't be proud because obviously the team lost and but he was he was very press resistant. He was, you know, commanding of the ball. Even if he was making errors or mistakes, he was constantly demanding that he's on the ball and making things happen. So I do think, you know, he's he's he is what we've missed when Partey's out. Because let's be honest, if Partey's out is El Nenny coming in. And do you know what do you know the thing is I don't rate El Nenny, but I do think maybe for the Premier League. Um, and the way that we play, El Nenny does suit the midfield better than Xhaka does. And I know that's a controversial thing to say, but I just think he's a little bit more athletic. And especially if you're demanding someone to be um, back to goal, yeah, Harry's not going to be a happy man. Oh, like, whoa, whoa, that's a, that's a no, no, no. I'm tr- let me try and explain. Like you know, I, I, I look, I, I could be wildly off with with what I'm saying, but I just think when you're trying to play a back to goal midfielder. Like El Nenny for me is just a little bit better. He's got a bit more more about him in that sense. He can move a little bit better. I think Shaka with WD forty maybe like you know he can he can, he can be like spinning around and that. But um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, El Nenny, El Nenny's got a little bit more bounce in his body shape. Yes, so it feels yeah. a lot. It feels less rigid. I get that. But that's where it, that's where it ends for me. That's about the only. Thing <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's the, that's why I said. Uh, you know so we'll, we'll just, move on. Just just fusion, isn't it? Like fusion. That's what we need. Yeah, of no, I get it. I get it. But um, well, I think Lukonga, I think Lukonga gives us, um, you know, gives gives Granit Jackie, you know, that freedom to almost play a little bit more safe, a little bit more rigid. I actually think together they played quite well. And like I said, I think when it comes to the central midfielders doing their job for most of the game, they were okay. They controlled, you know, the midfield pretty well and they gave the ball to Pepe, they gave the ball to Martin, they gave the ball to Balogun, but it just broke down. Our, our, our game wasn't, you know, really lost in central midfield. I think Sambi performed really, really well on his debut. Once they got the ball wide, you know, we didn't do anything. We weren't clinical or quick enough in the final third and... I always say, you know, whether it's Granite Jack or whether whoever it is, if if that's a midfield triangle and you've got your two holding midfielders, your two central midfielders, and your number ten, their job, uh, Sam B, Jacka, Party, is to get the ball, either play it forward or play it wide, keep the keep the play ticking over, and they did that. But like I said, it broke down, you know, in the final third because we just weren't good enough. But yeah, Sam B, really good debut. I do like him. I think the way he glides across the pitch, the way he can kind of pick up the ball in wider areas, is very Pogba esque. Um, I think it's a. It looks to be a really, really good signing, but we'll we'll only see his potential if we make sure we sign players in other areas. Otherwise, you can only go so far. You can only do so much around a lot of averageness. So yeah, great signing. We need more quickly, please. Nashville Gunner, who is a member of the channel, says, "I agree with Souls. We need more athletic cover. Don't back off that opinion. You're right." Keenan says, Soul, shut it. Let me let me clear it. Let me clear it before I get a slated more. What I'm trying to say is like I want Shaka's ability fused with Al Denny's athleticism. Because the problem that you have in the Premier League is because you against teams, especially you know, Brentford didn't back off. That's the thing. I just feel like when you start to press Xhaka, he doesn't really have the movement to really like resist that and whereas with L then his movement allows him to kind of resist it but then the problem is he doesn't know what to do with it like he's got the body for it but then just not the brain and the body just don't match That's so it's 
Basuma. You want someone that's got the best of both. Go and, go and I mean, get Basuma. That would have been Otherwise, play, we're, you know, we're, we're going to be No, stopped, no, right? that word's banned because I'm fucking annoyed at that. Like, why isn't it? Ha- like, it's not happening. Why? I just want to say that one of the Brentford midfielders came out and said that they specifically targeted Xhaka. You know, I think you he think tends it's... to be a target, not because he's not a decent player, but because they know he's not press resistant and he's so one footed. And if you don't have a Thomas party there to balance him out, then mm. you just kind of left for dead. So again, we're always one injury away from complete mediocrity. Not, I'm not saying that it's, just Jacka, I'm saying then you don't have the right partner for him to unlock him. And then we become a little bit of a, he can become a little bit of a liability there. But, you know, we all know that we need so much more quality in that midfield. The quality of our midfield options, even if you add Odegaard in there, it's just not good enough, you know, but it looks like the club is is perfectly fine with um being mediocre, to be honest, you know, but um Excuse me. Does um were either of you guys a little bit irritated that Sambi came out into the post-match stuff? Or did you think it was okay because he had been a captain before? He probably said I'd do it. Or do you feel like a Burn Leno or a Jaka or somebody of that stature at the club should have came out and spoke? I'm fuming. I am fuming. I don't understand one thing about this club. Is why on earth are these senior players hiding? Ev- and it's not once, it's not twice, it's every single goddamn time. Something doesn't go our way, they go and hide. And it's Saka doing them, ESR's doing them. Now it's Lacon. I'm sorry, this is Lakonga's official debut. Like, you can't, re- you don't really consider friendly as your debut. And you're making him go out once you've lost 2 0. N- and the thing is, you can't even say, oh, they're blinded by social media. They don't know what's going on. Of course you bloody know what's going on. You 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 talk about it in your press conferences that you're aware of not the hate, but the abuse or the negativity around the fan base. And you go and put out, firstly, he's about, what is he, 18, 19 years old or something? And he's a new signing. He's young. He's not even a captain, noisy in contention to be a captain. He's not even a starter. Like at the moment, because he's not first choice. It's party that comes in, and he, and he'll be out. And how how like I don't I don't. The thing is, and this is why I'm like, you know what? You sell these senior players. I, I've had enough of them because your mentality is clearly not good enough to be like taking. You have to take responsibility because and and, and say to the kids, you know what? It's not your fault. Just 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 it's not your fault. We'll take the heat for this one. You know, we're more senior. We we've. we've dealt with this before it's not the first time it's happened to us so and i don't get it man it's so annoying like what's the point of a captain if he ain't going to take responsibility well the one thing i will say is that a lot of people in the comments are kind of saying that you know keenan's saying it sambi baby put the responsibility on his shoulders he will shine like i've been saying all preseason this kid is going to be our saving grace he shouldn't have to that's my point He, he definitely shouldn't have to but also sometimes the standout player, which I believe he was, would go out and talk. But we'll see, you know, what happens in the next game. But Harry, are you starting Sambi against Chelsea or should we go conservative with Elneny? Oh, no, I'm starting Sambi straight away. I mean, I'd be tempted to play a midfield three, in all honesty, of Elneny, Jack and Sambi uh, to be a bit more resolute there and just make it a bit more of a battle. Because I think if we try to pass it too much, I think we'll just get stuck. So if I was Arteta, I'd go 
back to basics, four, five, one. I'd even play ESR on the off the left, maybe Saka off the right, uh, and Martinelli through the middle. But um, yeah, I'd start Sambi. Uh, I think he was brilliant. And in terms of the interview, I get it. But obviously, if we won, it would be fine, right? It would be okay to hear from him because we lost. We want players to take responsibility. And in the same respect, if Granit Xhaka came out and said we tried, we weren't good enough, blah, 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 he's just going to get abuse, right? What's he saying this for? He's not a captain, blah, blah, blah. So it's a no-win situation. And I think I'm pretty sure the uh, the broadcasters request who they want to speak to or it works in terms of, you know, they they asked for someone. And Sambi had quite a good game, so maybe they wanted to hear from him for the first time. He's a new signing. It'll probably get a lot of hits or a lot of clicks when it gets uploaded. So, I mean, I get it. I get the frustration. But I think I don't read too much into it, to be honest. I really don't. But I get why people would be annoyed by it. The same reason why people are annoyed that Edu's having a barbecue and having a sausage sandwich. <laughs> I can't. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's been a bloodbath the last couple of days. A lot of good memes, but a bloodbath. <laughs> so let's talk about, well, we do need to talk a little bit more about Jacka. He put pen to paper, you know, and um, he reports have confirmed that Granit Jacka has been extended for another year in his contract with an option for an additional year that would take him to the 2025 season, like till 2025. So it's an extension and it's not a completely new deal. There were early reports that were saying that it was an increased wage package, but we haven't, nothing really suggests that it's just an extension. And um, basically it's been like alluded to that it's, it's to protect his value, you know, and that's changed a lot of the arsenal, not, not a lot, but I would say a lot of the people that I follow that changed their perspective on, Jack is staying because it feels more like protection of value than backing this guy like he's our guy. I, I don't think that any of us can really sit here and say that like, you know, well, it really just depends because I think we kind of were saying that we weren't 100% sure that the club wanted to sell him. But I do think it's more to protect his value than anything else. Do you guys kind of believe the same thing? Like, souls for you, is it more we want him to be a pillar of the midfield, give him a lifetime deal, or is it just insurance? And does that mean that maybe he'll have a smaller role, or do you still think he'll be kind of really important for us this coming season? Uh, do you know, this this is the one where I've been, like, sort of battling between myself and what I actually feel on this one. I feel like... I don't look. I don't think. I don't. I don't think Arsenal had a good season. But he, for his stand, for Xhaka's standards, I do feel like he had a good season for his own standards and what we. Because let's be honest, we didn't expect him to be that good in a way. Like I don't think. I just think because of how poor we were, I can't really see any player was good. But you know, for his sort of individual standards and what expectations we've grown to have for him, he has exceeded a lot of people's expectations. He was a lot better in terms of. If you want to go into like individual stats, he was one of the you know top ten ball progressors within you know Europe, and you know there was a lot going for him in that sense. So I think, and then when you combine that with a good Euros or a you know an outstanding Euros for their sort of standard, you do you do start to think that why hasn't anyone else come in and put in a bid of even twenty million to twenty five million? I don't think that's a a shocking thing to do because think about Locatelli. Now I know people who watch Syria maybe rave about him, but 
let's talk about general footballing, like, you know, individuals. They probably didn't know about Locatelli until he, until he was linked to Arsenal, really. Like, let's let's be completely honest about it. And he's demanding a €40 million Euro fee. And let's be honest, he wasn't even pivotal to Italy. He played the, yeah, group stages. But then after that, started coming out of the team and he wasn't really in it all the time. So that's, that's where I think, you know, it's, it's one of those where if he can replicate even part of his form that he was that he had last season, then it is protecting his value. But I feel like if he becomes the Xhaka that we that the fan base turned on, then it's gonna be like absolute in hindsight, it's gonna be one of the worst things we could do. But at the end of the day, all we've done is extended his contract uh, for the same sort of wages that he's on, and. Let's be honest. The only I think this is the question we'll find out next summer when we sell him, and that will tell us whether we wanted to protect his value or whether we actually want him for the long run. So I, I think that's just for me how it is. Like that's how I view it. Your mute is just. Keenan is saying it too. Like I mean, maybe I didn't say it like correctly but it is like a one-year extension on his existing contract which still had like two years left on it and it but the thing that I will say is I'm not convinced that it's providing depth in our midfield I feel when Jaka is in the team he's he's there he's gonna be the director of our midfield period and I just don't see like if Thomas comes back then you're starting Lukonga and Thomas I just don't see that I see if Jack is available, he's playing. But I do agree that if they do want, they did want to try to sell him for closer's value, they needed to extend him. Let's look at his contract terms really quick. I'll share my screen. Okay. You guys see it? Yeah. It's kind of tiny, but basically, hold on, where is it? So, he his contract was until it would end on at twenty twenty three. You know that's where that last one is right there. Age twenty nine, he's still twenty eight, which is crazy. I thought he was older, but um, basically what they're going to add is an additional year to, to what this is right now. So it's really not what everybody was claiming it to be, which is like with this new deal with this pay rise and, and all it was of like this, It's a five-year deal or something, wasn't it? Or a four-year deal, which makes you feel like it's a terribly long time. But essentially, like you say, it's just an extension. Yeah, it's just an extension. He's not going to get more money or anything like that. And some people are still, why did we have to extend? And the reason for that is because then, because their whole thing is they want to protect his value. If he has less years on his deal, being almost 30 years old, you, basically your value just plummets at that point. So they're trying to maintain it. The one thing that I will say is that, you know, if we get to next summer window and the clubs are offering similar fees as AS Roma, it will look, it won't look as good. We won't know if this is a positive thing until next summer when we're trying to sell him, because if essentially we could have sold him a year prior for the same amount and moved him on and done something else in the midfield, which we really need to do, then I think it it reeks of not selling Lacazette to AS Roma. It reeks of it. 
because if you can't sell him, he will inevitably stop us from being able to move forward. Opportunity cost is a real thing, and we're seeing it in our squad right now. When you choose not to move people on, sometimes it's not about the money that you lose. It's about the inability to make moves, because I do believe our Arsenal has some money to make things happen, but because we can't move on Granite, we can't move on Bellerin, we can't move on Lacazette, we can't move forward. So I think it only becomes smart if we get to next summer and we're able to get 20 million for him or whatever we're asking for. If not, it just ends up being another one of those you missed out type of moments. I mean, am I off base there or do you guys kind of agree? No, you're right. And listen, there's nothing wrong with extending Jacker's contract. There is something wrong with not buying an experienced central midfielder. That's where it stops. I don't mind keeping Granite Jacker, but I do hate that keeping Granite Jacker means we can't sign another central midfielder. We can't go out and get Basuma, Neves, whoever that is. That's what annoys me. The, you know, the midfielder that we should be really, really looking to upgrade, if we're being honest, is Elneny. When it's when it, comes to who you know who's a better footballer who's better for Arsenal you know Granit Xhaka is certainly a better fit for Arsenal than Elneny is so you know why aren't we trying to sell one of them and get in a better central midfielder we know why because our owners won't do that that's the frustrating thing for me I said last year or in the summer I thought Granit Xhaka had a good season don't want to sell him but I believe we should upgrade I believe we should consider ourselves because we need to change the narrative we need to change the story around it the circus around Granit Xhaka because it's not a good thing for a football club to have but we've decided not to which is fine. I appreciate it. Granite Jacker is likewise teammates. He's an important player for most of his managers. That's fine. We can agree or disagree on that. But you still go out and get another central midfielder to push Granite Jacker. Because, like you said, it's still at the moment Granite Jacker and Lokonga or Party. Granite Jacker knows Elmeneni can't get near him. He knows that. He knows that for five years. Elmeneni has hardly ever started ahead of him. And now he's still there, which isn't a bad thing for me, but you need someone pushing him, someone with quality, give us a different dynamic. And furthermore, it just confirms that what we're going to do every game is play Granite Jacker deeper towards left back. Guarantee he's going to bow on, put crosses in, and there'll be a time when that becomes too predictable. So we needed something different in there. But unfortunately, our owners, even after all of the drama, are still not willing to go out and buy more players. And that is the most frustrating part. Don't put this on Granite Jacker. Don't put this on, Ar on Arteta. Their hands are tied. Nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with him. This is about the board not strengthening where we need to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do agree that I think it's just a trickle-down thing. We're not ambitious from the very top, so it just trickles down to everything else that we do. And it it is the Cronkies, isn't it? Nashville Gunner says the problem is only six teams in England have money to spend in all of football, and I completely get that. The But the point still remains for me where I understand that we believe that we could be getting more for Granite, so we're willing to take the hit, keep him for another year with the hope that his value will be maintained. So essentially the money will start circulating in Europe again and somebody will want to buy Xhaka because we know nobody in the Premier League is going to buy him. I understand what they're trying to do, but what I will say is that they kept Lacazette last summer as well thinking that somebody this summer would be willing to buy him for what we want and we can't get rid of him. So this the concept of this makes sense until we get into next summer. And if people are offering us 12 million again and we're being told by the market that Granite Xhaka is only worth 12, then it was stupid to, re to keep him longer because we need to move the midfield on. But I completely get what you're saying. How mad is it that we can't take the hit? How mad is it that selling Granite Xhaka for 
15 million affects so, or for 12 million affects so much, but 15 million doesn't, you know, of five, six, seven million. Why is that the difference between selling a player? And if it's not, then why haven't we going to sign someone else? And if we have signed Ben White for 15 million and that has taken up the majority of our budget, then we can really start to question that transfer. And don't get me wrong, they've got two weeks to put it out of the bag. And in, in 10 days' time, we might have a central midfielder, a number 10, a goalkeeper striker. Happy days, I stand corrected. But how sad is it that, that a club of Arsenal stature can't, you know, can't afford to sell a player for 12 million because they know, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just bump an extra five million on the replacement or whatever it is. You know, we're being held by this three, four million pound fee just to make sure we, he gets, uh, we get what he's worth, which I understand. We want to change the narrative to, to buying clubs that we're not pushovers. I totally get that. But regardless of that, just, you know, don't let, that, don't let that affect your whole transfer doing what is a really important position on the pitch, somewhere where we're vulnerable every season. Really disappointing, really annoying. You guys, we have some breaking news here. Um, this is from Sammy Mokbel. He says, Arsenal's Premier League opener against Brentford was hours from cancellation with every member of the squad and staff forced to take COVID tests following the scare in the buildup. This is what happened. That's why Aubameyang and Lacazette were out. They were sick. No need to keep stressing out about it. But yeah, COVID, COVID scare. Everybody was afraid and it was in the buildup right before the game started which is crazy so um yeah and we are, we are going to talk about conspiracy theories all obviously but in our group chat you know George has been very adamant about saying like they were ill they were ill but I do think we need to have a conversation about why we never believe that these things are actually what's happening I think that's a bigger conversation than they're not, they were actually sick. There is a reason why when our club tells us something, we don't believe it. And when our players are unavailable, we believe the worst. There's a reason for that. And it's not just paranoia. I think it has something to do fundamentally with us having a, a lack of trust with the club and a lack of trust with the players based on feeling like over the last couple of years, things haven't been ran correctly. You know what I mean? Because mm. it's like, we always assume the worst, the malaria thing with a bombing. A lot of people thought he was like faking it or was not, you know, doing the right things. His mom's illness as well, all came out to be that he was going through really difficult times. And, and then there were transfer rumors. And then we started thinking like, okay, well, because basically what I think the media does is they take opportunities when we're when we have players out, especially big players, especially somebody like a bombing, that means that they're a part of transfer speculation. It's a good time to get clicks. But what we saw was not only did people think that he was not sick, but then people started airing their true feelings about feeling like we should have not given him a new contract and that we should actually be trying to sell him. So mm. Do you guys think we're being a little bit, I'll, I'll give this one to you, Harry. Do you think we're being unfair, you know, to, to the players by not believing them? And how do you feel about the Arsenal fan base kind of turning on a bombing and feeling like maybe we shouldn't have kept him? You know, you can't really come back from it now, even though now you know that he's ill. You can't really take back the fact that you said, well, we should have sold him. You know what I mean? Mm. So what do you think about that? Like, yeah, well, firstly, I mean, get well soon to, to them both. Um, I certainly jumped the gun. I suppose 
we're victims of the uncertainty which comes from the manager's voice and the press certainly lap up that uncertainty and rather than perhaps speculate that it could be COVID, they insist speculate that there's dressing room unrest and the players want to leave and we're negotiating things with Barcelona, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like, you know, just with regards to what Arteta said, there was, there was a smirk on his face when he spoke about it. So for me, there was almost he wanted to protect the fact that there may be COVID because if he says they have it after the game, there could just be a huge, you know, huge questions about it. It could really, really promote a lot of uncertainty around the team and the squad and the fitness. And then the next press conferences are dominated by how your players have, they had the test, blah, blah, blah. So you probably want to avoid going down this COVID scare. Um, but like you say, I think it probably brings out the true feelings of some fans, which is just a sense of frustration that obviously they're missing the first game, which means we're starting Balogun, who's never really played Premier League football before. We're having to rush back Martinelli, who's just been to Tokyo's. And then it kind of makes you think, well, you kind of believe this perhaps fresh start or this new energy. And you think, do you know what? Aubameyang hasn't been great pre-season. With Lacazette, yeah, he's really important to how we play, but we know what we get. Maybe we just have something new. And even I was, you know, on that fence, which was quite a lot of emotions to experience after a defeat, where you start to question everything. But ultimately, you know, it is, it is down to COVID. So all of those assumptions have to be put to the side. But for some weird reason, I still feel like something's going to happen with that striker situation. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I feel like there's something there. And that might just be my opinion. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I like. I have to be honest that my feelings are still the same. I think one of them needs to go. And I felt that way before the Bradford game. Some, the energy up top is stale. And I do think that maybe we would have played a little bit better. I do think when you put, like, you put Martinelli and Balogun in that starting lineup and they probably you know, weren't um, expecting to be in that game. And maybe that's why the team looked rattled, which I can understand that, you know, but the facts still remain that we don't create enough chances. We don't look like scoring most games. We are relying on two strikers that don't really feel like they're in form. So I, I do wait. Oh, sorry. I thought somebody was saying we only had 13 likes on this video. I was about to say, excuse me. There's 180 of you guys watching. Where are our likes? But yeah, I just feel like something still needs to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if something did. But Souls, do you feel like, you know, you're a huge like a bombing guy. Do you feel like it's unfair for the fans to kind of treat him? It feels like people are insecure about maybe him being an Ozil. You know what I mean? Signing the big contract, falling out of form, looking disinterested, looking like he's not interested, you know, wanting to do, you know, be at Arsenal. All these rumors come out and then we come out. It's 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 COVID. But do you think it's that Ozil effect? You know, people are just not sure about where his head truly is. Um, a mixed. It's a, it's a mixed bag for me. I think. Um... We don't. The problem is we sign these players onto big contracts, but then don't really build around them. And I feel like we've put a lot more responsibilities in terms of he has to be a little bit more defensive as well. And you know we've seen him playing left wing back practically for some of the games. And and I think for me it's like you need to build around him, and he's not really going to play well with ESR in my opinion. I think ESR is more of a one-two goal kind of player, whereas with Abamyang needs to be played into 
like played forward and then running to the box with and, and and I don't think we've got that. We 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 slightly had it with Odegaard. I think Odegaard did bring a bit more out of a Bamiang than we've seen in a lot of the previous sort of season. And and that's and that's sort of what it is. And and it is a combination of I don't know whether he suits necessarily Arteta's style of play. Um as Arteta wants his strikers to come into the play a bit more and 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 kind of build up from deeper and Obviously, we see that with Lacazette and how well that works. And well, I don't know how. I wouldn't say how well it works, but you know, it works a bit better than you know having a Bamiyang there. So I don't think we really. I, I think with a Bamiyang, it's just because we cross the ball a lot. He doesn't. None of our strikers, to be fair, not even Lacazette, really suits that style. Nor are they like really a dominant striker. And. That's really affecting their sort of output in terms of how how they're going to score, how many numbers of goals they're going to score. Under Emery was a little bit different. There was a bit more freedom given to them in in the way they played, and Aubameyang was cutting in a lot more from the left, coming in and obviously scoring those typical like Henri-esque goals, and and that's what it is. And I think it is partly the system doesn't suit him, and I don't think we've got the right creative player. Um, to really get the best out of Aubameyang. If he's averaging one shot per 90, it's not really going to get you anything. I don't think... Look, as much as you know, we say, oh, yeah, but strikers need to be clinical. Like, let's be real. If you're only getting one shot per 90 and you're expected to convert that, I'm sorry, it's only going to happen so many times. And I think that's where we're going wrong. It's, it's the chance creation has dropped dramatically. We used to, we used to create at least six to ten major chances per game and that's dropped down to like two or three major chances if you want to call them big chances as well uh, they're not really big chances but they're chances and and I think that's what we need to solve yeah I I get that you know we definitely it's so weird because we all know that a bombing's not crap right like we all know he's not but the system just doesn't feel like a good fit for him. And at the moment, Arteta is the manager. And some players are just not really in that system, you know, the way that they should be. So it's a weird situation. But, you know, there are some people in the chat box that are kind of saying that they don't believe it and, and all of this. And what I will say is that I would I feel like it's it's probably fair enough to just say what happened against Brentford was COVID related, but let's not get it twisted. There's still a possibility that a bombing and Lacazette may be up for sale this summer. In particular, we already know Lacazette is. A lot of rumors during this whole Brentford loss situation linked Aubameyang and Lacazette to Barcelona, which is very strange. It's a very strange link, but it doesn't when you when you say you want to swap Aubameyang for Coutinho it starts to make a little bit more sense. People start to connect the dots, Kia Draption, Adu, all this kind of stuff. And then Lacazette being linked with a, a swap deal for Emerson. It's just nuts, you know. But what we do know from the Brentford game is if something were to happen to Aubameyang and Lacazette or they were to fall out of form, we don't have the players to make that up. I don't think anybody could walk away from that Brentford game and say, yeah, I'm comfortable throwing Balogun to the Wolves. I'm comfortable you know, throwing Martinelli out there. They're not ready. You know what I mean? So mm. for Harry, for you, do you, at this point, do you feel like striker is a necessary situation that we need to sort? Or do you think it was a scare? 
they'll be fine. We can just rock out with a bombing in Lacazette because at this point I feel like it's an emergency. It's really tough because I know everyone says Lacazette suits the system, but I think he suits the system because he's not a goal scorer, a natural goal scorer. A little bit like Firmino, he suits the way Liverpool play because he drops deep, but he drops deep because he can't go in behind. He's not clinical enough and he has two goal-scoring wingers either side. We don't have those goal-scoring wingers either side of Lacazette. Lacazette drops so deep because he can't go in behind. And when he does drop deep, he's almost uh, a millimetre away of connecting to a cross because he doesn't have the, the fitness or the pace to, do, to you know drop deep and then run into the box consistently. So, And then with Aubameyang, you feel like it's only going to work with the right players behind him. Lots of intricate, creative players. And we, we're just not that team anymore. Under Arteta, it seems a little bit more rigid. It's almost like a rehearsed attack every single time. And Aubameyang is waiting on that perfect cross from Kieran Tierney when he floats inside. And if he doesn't connect, he's got, it's like he's got to wait 10 minutes for the next chance. There isn't that, you know, we don't have that, we don't strike fear into the other teams where they want to press us so we can push them higher up so that we can play over the top. But teams are really happy to sit deep against us because they know essentially we're just going to get the ball wide and they can defend. The Lacazette's redundant, the Bamiang's redundant. So for me, it is an area where we strengthen, which is why I wasn't too sad about someone like Tammy Abraham. Because I think it would have just given us something different, something fresh. And I feel like we need that. Um, and I get Lacazette suits the system, but, you know, is this the system we want to be playing? I don't think it is. I think we want to be playing free-flowing attacking football. And Lacazette doesn't help you do that. And Aubameyang can't do that because we don't have the right players. We need more of these Wenger players. You know, whilst Wenger gave us no defensive security whatsoever, he gave the players expression and freedom. And that papered over the cracks sometimes. And we're almost gone the other way. We've tried to be more defensively secure. We're not that. And we've almost strangled the creative life out of this team. So, you know, I, I don't know what we need up front, but I know we need something different and we need options. And respectfully, Martinelli and Balogun, as wonderful as they as they will be, uh, I feel like it, it's too quick too soon, uh, you know, to start putting that pressure on them. So I either hope Lacazette and Aubameyang come back soon or I hope we uh, we upgrade or sign alternatives. It's just the first yeah. game of the season as well, which is mad, right? First game of the can season. I, can I just add, add to that because... Obviously, the fan base went on a complete frenzy about this whole Arteta hates the youth and this is like sort of a, a brand thing that they've got against him. But I'm sorry, like that's what you wanted. You wanted youth, you got youth, and what happened? They got turned over. Now, yes, there could be, you know, obviously with this whole news coming out with like, you know, him having, um, with Aubameyang and, you know, Lacazette being ill and this whole COVID frenzy, it could be that. But I'm sorry, like, I didn't see anything. I didn't even, the chances, I didn't see any sort of cohesion. I didn't see any sort of patterns of play that made you think, all right, they were a bit poor, but I could see something. I don't think anyone now, would, if we've seen that lineup again, we'd be like, yes, so we've got this game. We've got it in the bag. Because Why were you we don't... so confident? I thought that I lineup yeah. was popping. But I think... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Essentially, you know, it had Carabelle Cup vibes all over it. A few of my friends texted me like, wow, like, who are these guys? And I was like, yep, first game of the season. And listen, it's not their fault. And I'm certainly not being damaging towards them. If Aubameyang and Lacazette are out injured, you know, that's two of your strikers. So essentially, you're going to have a young player waiting to get in. And it probably would have been in Ketia starting over Balogun if he was fit. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a bit crazy that that happens uh between the first game of the season. And if there is any unrest uh, between Aubameyang, Lacazette and Arteta, maybe it's because they were, I don't know, hanging around with people that perhaps, you know, have COVID or whatnot, putting themselves in a situation that they maybe shouldn't have been. There's a possibility there. I don't want to speculate too much. But yeah, either way, 
first game of the season, rushing Martinelli back, who's just been in Tokyo for God knows how long, starting Badigan. I know circumstances forced it, but it just still doesn't feel right. It still doesn't feel right. To hear put, put in a super chat. Thank you so much for your super chat. I really appreciate it. He says, I don't get why AFC Media did, did not just release info on COVID scare. Chelsea stated Loftus-Cheek info immediately. Why not take the stress away from the fans? There are a lot of people saying that you do kind of have to release the information, and they didn't, which makes it a little bit like what I will say mm. at, at the moment is that I hope they get well. I hope there's nothing wrong with them. I hope they come back strong, all that. It was it was COVID-related. But if something else comes out later that says something different, I won't be surprised. You know, I just won't. You know, um, something is off, but it was a COVID scare. And I hope they get well soon. Like, that's really where I am at the moment. But what I kind of want to end on is just, you know... Uh, if for some reason this is not really what it seems and, you know, maybe we are trying to sell Aubameyang and Lacazette, if we're not able to sell them, and as you said, Harry, there's some friction between some of the senior players and Arteta or the club. You know, we already know Bellerin wants to, like, take a pay cut to go. You know, that's reliably reported from Arsenal-connected, you know, journalists. Jacka one foot out the doors back here. Leno doesn't look committed either. How do we go through next season with five, maybe six potential like senior players that are potentially had minds elsewhere or wanted to have different opportunities? How do we rely on them? Because the reality is that even though we may want to get rid of Lacazette, Bombing, Jacka, Bellerin, Leno, and Willian. The the reality is, is that if they don't leave, they're still big parts of the squad because the next man up is either El Nenny or somebody of that ilk or a kid. You know, so essentially we would have player, players coming back into the team that had one foot out the door that clearly want to go, but we have to rely on them in one of the most important seasons of Arsenal's history needing to get back into Europe. Does that not scare you just a little bit, Harry, that – our reliance on these players is so heavy. We don't have alternatives. We can't bring in new players if we don't get rid of them. But inevitably, they will become the players that we need to rely on. And they haven't been reliable in the past. Not all of them. They haven't been. Mm. Well, I mean, I think our reliance is more towards Granite Xhaka. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. Uh, our reliance is on Bernardino, which I do have a problem with. And I don't think we're reliant on Hector Bellerin. I think each incident, I think each player is different. So obviously, Granit Xhaka was open to a new challenge. It didn't happen. He seems relatively content to stay. Uh, Bernardino is just clearly disinterested. And Hector Bellerin wants to take a pay cut because he wants a new challenge. And he knows his wages are too high. So I don't really link that with perhaps a lack of commitment from Bellerin. And whilst you can certainly question Bellerin's ability 100%, in terms of him not being at the level. When he plays, I, I don't see a bad attitude from him at all. I always see a good level of desire. Uh, and I think if you watch him closely, uh, you, you will see that. I think if you take away the, the frustration at his uh, at his his ball-playing abilities and just the fact that he went really, really backwards in his career, I, still, I don't think he's a bad egg in the squad whatsoever. I think he's a, a good voice in the squad. But it, it worries me, essentially, that, that, yeah, that if Chambers is out, then it's between Cedric and Bellerin. And you know, I wasn't. I was just surprised that William wasn't coming on against against Brentford. 
So hopefully we can move these players on. I don't know what to say. They're on huge contracts, and which is why it's, which is why some of them are just happy to stay at London because the money's great and the market's flat. Which is why a lot of clubs can't sell players. A hell of a lot of clubs have a lot of deadwood at their club. It's not just us. Spurs can't get rid of Sissoko. Winks, Eric Dar is still starting for them. Liverpool are struggling to sell Origi, Shakiri. There's a lot of players whose kind of time is up and they're still at their club. So it's not just us. But unfortunately, we are in a bad position. And we need to, to sell to buy. So I hope we can sort deals out for them. And I'd like to think that the players care enough about themselves, about their reputation, about the club, about their fans, to still come and do a good job, or at least try to do a good job. The ability will dictate how well they do. But at least try, at least appear you care. Because I, I can tolerate average performances, but bad attitude, lack of desire, really, really gets on my tits. So, yeah, really annoys me. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to say that. Well, you guys, we're going to end it there. We're at an hour and 15 minutes, and there's 180 of you guys watching on all platforms. So make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. Remember, you can now become a member of the channel. And tomorrow, our first members-only stream is going to be a Tactical Tuesday, where we'll break down whether our issues with chance creation and scoring goals is about the system, our Teta system, or is it the players? Uh, George will be back for that one, so I'm sure we will fight a lot. But I miss George on this one, so I can't wait to see him tomorrow. And I hope the members really enjoy that stream. The next stream for everybody will be on Wednesday. We'll, I think we're doing rankings for away kits. You know, somebody asked for us to do that. Very fun stress reliever, stress reliever before we get into Chelsea buildup. So, yeah, that's the next time we'll see all of you guys. But make sure you guys, again, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Um, share this with a friend, consider becoming a member, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Can Bye I say guys. one thing quickly? Can I say one thing really quickly? Oh, uh, no, no, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to speak to you guys, I think, after the Chelsea game. So, Arsenal fans, I know we're in a very sad place at the moment, a very frustrated place, but when we go to the Emirates, if you're at the protest, when we get into that stadium, we need all of our energy on supporting the team and making it as uncomfortable as possible for the opposition. Not for our own players. If we go 1-0 down early on, we do not need to be singing Arteta out. We do not to be singing signs from effing players. If we focus all of that energy on getting behind the team, making it super uncomfortable for Chelsea. So when they pass out from the back, we are booing them. Those, those players are feeding the pressure of the Arsenal fan. We have a chance of doing something wrong. So please, let's not forget what we're here to do at the stadium, which is to support the club. Really, really important. Thank you. Awesome, Harry. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, you guys, get behind the team. Make sure that you're screaming and yelling and all that kind of stuff, you know, because um, that 12th man is really, really important. You guys like that video. Subscribe to the channel. We'll see you guys tomorrow for Tactical Breakdown or Wednesday for um, kit rankings. Bye, y'all. Oh.